Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Relation Shift. We'll be talking about how to identify and overcome obstacles that hinder healthy relationships. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Wonderful presence of the Lord. We welcome all of you here tonight. Uh, we're glad you're in the house of God tonight and came out on a Wednesday night. Are you glad you're here tonight? I'm glad I'm here. And it's just a wonderful presence of the Lord. And uh, I normally don't minister on a Wednesday night. And so uh, we want to continue our series. In fact, it's probably our first, my first time that we continue a Sunday morning series uh, onto a Wednesday. Uh, but... Uh, I'm going to minister this uh, evening on relationship, which is our series, and uh, we're talking about relationships that need uh, a shift, right? We're calling it relationship, and we're talking about relationships that need a shift. In other words, uh, there are times in our lives that our relationships need to change a little bit. Everything that we do in life has to do with relationships, and every so often our relationships are strained. Uh, whether uh, with your spouse, with your friends, with your family, with the boss. And it's part of our human experience to have relationships. But sometimes uh, our relationships could be full of happiness and joy. And how many know some relationships can take us to our knees? And they could be very straining at times. And uh, a few Sundays ago, I talked about uh, uh, manipulative people. In other words, people that try to manipulate us by threatening us by getting us to, to do things by guilt. And so today I want to talk about overly needy people. In other words, we have some people in our lives that can be chronically and consistently needy. And uh, I have a spiritual term for these people. And, uh, I, and in every group and every family, and uh, we, we at least have one needy, crazy person, don't we? They usually show up at Thanksgiving, am I right? Uh, the Bible says we're two or three, uh, there's usually one crazy person. No, it doesn't say that. But, but we want to talk about these overly needy people because uh, God wants us to love them. God wants us to help them. God wants to help us to, uh, or give us grace to be able to minister to them and, and care about them. Uh, they, you can usually see them coming. You know that the conversation is going to be a little longer than normal. Um, perhaps they're going to dominate the conversation and, and you're going to hear the same story again. Uh, it could be that, you know, when you talk to them, it's going to be a little negative. They're going to have the victim mentality. And so oftentimes we wonder, what, what should we do? Uh, you may have someone that you love and you care about a whole lot, and, uh, and yet you know they don't have friends, you know they don't have a lot of connections, so you're there to try to meet that need, or you have that buddy that always needs money, and more money, and a little bit more money, you know what I'm talking about, and you're trying to help that guy out, and so uh, when is enough enough? When, uh, when, do we, when are we able to say, you know what, I've done all I can do, and, uh, and yet not feel guilty that you've left them stranded, and I want to help us tonight, because sometimes what we do with needy people, if we're not careful, we're actually hurting them, and it's hurting us. How many can say Amen. And so how do we love these folks, and how do we minister to them? And really, I kind of want to expand beyond just that 
but even emotionally. Sometimes we get emotionally caught up with people. How many know someone that uh, every time you talk to them, there's some kind of drama? There's something going on. The world is falling. The sky is falling. Uh, all these different things that are happening. You could be on the phone talking to them, and uh, you hang up, or you, you're in the call, and 30 seconds later, they call you. Everything all right? Yeah, I just talked to you. I just was checking to make sure everything was okay. And so you, you're wondering, well, how do you help these folks? Or, or they leave, you know, a 10-minute long message on your voicemail. Uh, you know, uh, nothing's wrong with that, but uh, you may be that needy person. So... Uh, how many here today, you'll say, you know what, I, I know somebody like that. Don't, don't look at them or stare at them, but you'd raise your hand and you say, yes, I, I know somebody like that. All right. And how many today, you may have someone next to you, okay? There's somebody next to you, listen to me, that's not needy, okay? They're not needy in your life, and you say, you know, the person next to me is not. In fact, the person meets, makes my life better. I want you to kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, you complete me. There you go. Now, I want you to turn to the other person that is needy, and I want you to put your hand on your, their shoulder and say, you deplete me. No, don't say that. <laughs> Not true. Don't, don't even go there, all right? But as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ, uh, it, you know, we, we're looking for this compassion. We're looking for a way to love these folks, and what can we do for them? How can we minister to them? And, and first of all, I want us to kind of acknowledge, because there's always this tension, and I'm going to kind of give it out of my own, uh, uh, my own spirit or my own experience, even as a pastor and even as a follower of Christ, uh, there's a number of things that I want to help needy people. Listen to me, as a pastor, I want to help. I want to do everything that I can. But I don't want to train people to become dependent on me. And I can tell you, I've done that before. Where they become dependent on my words. They become dependent on my prayer. They become dependent on my phone call. And it comes to a point where no one in the church can talk to them but only the pastor. And so if we're not careful this morning, all of us can be part of that where you don't know how much assistance to give that person how much to help that person, uh, because even, even if you do give them, because even at the pastor, I found myself where I thought I was giving a lot, but it was never enough from them. And then they wig out, you know what I'm saying? And then I kind of back off, and then I feel guilty, and then they get crazy, and so you know how it all goes. And so where's the balance? Where's the balance? Are you with me so far? I want to kind of help you this, uh, this evening uh, how to minister to very needy people and what to do and how, what's the balance in that. And there's a great story here, Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus comes upon the city of Jerusalem. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, when Jesus saw the multitude, I mean, there was a multitude of people, he was what? He was moved with compassion. He, uh, he was moved with compassion, and it said, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And so I want to pray this morning before I go on or tonight and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you for your word is so true. Your word is so powerful. Your word is so relevant. Your word applies to our lives in every area. God, there's nothing, Lord, that your word doesn't cover that ministers to our lives right now. I pray that we would just be open, remove every distraction. God, help us to give you our 100% 
undivided attention in Jesus' name. And the people said, amen. amen. And so that word move with compassion, that word compassion is in the Greek, it's splagnon, or splagnon is the best way. I can, it's the root word where we get spaghetti and SpongeBob. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> splagnon is a power pack word, okay? And literally what it means from your innermost being, it actually means from your inner bowels and intestines. That's how, how much tender compassion you have, okay? It's an inner compassion. So the Bible says Jesus had this inner compassion when he saw the people. And, and the Bible says he saw them as sheep, uh, having no shepherd. Uh, they were scattered all around. Uh, and Jesus cared for them uh, more than anyone. How many know God cares for you more than anyone does? Jesus cares more about you than anyone on earth. And yet the Bible says he's looking at this crowd and he's saying, man, he has compassion. His heart is going out. And so today as I minister, I'm not going to be able to tell you what to do, you know, cut and dry. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Because I believe a lot of things in how to minister to people that are very needy, the Holy Spirit is going to have to give you some direction. Like the Holy Spirit is going to have to customize for every situation, depending on who that person is, what's going on, and we could try to help people, but, but again, this tension goes on, and as Christ followers, we have to be careful. We want to help people without enabling people. Are you with me? We want to be able to help them, but not overly help them where they begin to be dependent on us, and that tension begins, but we want to be able to minister to them in a healthy way, not hurting ourselves and not hurting them. And so today we want to talk about that. There's, a, there's two different, there's two words that all of us have heard. We've heard of the word relief and we've heard of the word restoration. Relief, when you bring relief to a person, you are bringing something temporary, temporary assistance or temporary help. It could be like we happens here in the United States quite often where there is a hurricane and many of our cities and the coastal communities are, are hit and the cities are flooded. And so those cities need relief. The United States is very good. People go and they respond and we got people to come and bring temporary relief to that tragedy that is happening. We come there to help them temporarily. And uh, these fires that are going on, there are different fire uh, departments from different cities that go up north in different places to help for temporary relief. It's a temporary help during that time. It could be that someone uh, that passes away uh, that you love and, and people, maybe there could be a life group that comes together and they say, we're, gonna, we're taking a collection for you because of, we're bringing relief uh, to what's going on in your life. But then there's the second word, which is restoration. Restoration is working with people to restore them to their God-given potential. And this isn't doing something for them. It's working with them to restore them uh, to where God needs them to be. Can you say amen? And so basically what we're doing there is when you're working with someone, you're encouraging them, you're giving them a twos out of the word of God to help them become better, not something temporary, but something that, that is there for the long term. And many times we can, we can see somebody or someone could say, hey, 
Well, you know, I, I, you know, they're always hurting, and they, you think, well, I'll give this person five hundred dollars, and, and uh, I'll, I, you know, I'm going to restore them. No, that's relief. If you give somebody five hundred dollars, that you know, within a matter of day, they could just spend it all. What you need to help them is help them to have a budget. Am I right? Help them to cut the credit cards out, right? Help them to pay things with cash. And so you want to bring restoration. I read this quote. It says, give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. And so we want to give proper instruction and helping people and strategically helping and ministering to them. Listen to this statement that Jesus made. A lot of people often read it but kind of miss what Jesus is saying. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. I don't know about you, but I like to be a wolf there. Amen, not a sheep. It says, to be, So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So Jesus is saying in the world, there are going to be vicious wolves. That'll eat you up if you're a sheep. And so you need to be wise as a serpent. Now, many times when we think of a serpent, we relate that to Satan. We say, you know, Satan uh, was a serpent in the garden. And we think uh, when we mention a serpent or a snake, uh, that is demonic. A snake is not demonic. There are characteristics that you can describe Satan in a, in a snake, just like a roaring lion. The Bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion. A lion is not demonic. It's one of God's animals. A, a snake is not demonic. But there are characteristics that you can describe as that. But the Bible says that Jesus says, be wise as a snake. And that word is actually be strategic as the snake is. In other words, the snake has no arms. A snake has no leg, it has no feet, it has no hands, and yet it's able to survive. Why? Because it's able to calculate. It's able to strategize how to survive, how to get the next prey, how to get to the next place, how to hide out. It is wise. So Jesus is saying we need to be wise. We need to be strategic even as the snake is. And he says then you need to be innocent as the dove. In other words, you need to do things with a pure motive, with a pure heart, with a righteous heart. So Jesus has given us direction on how to function in this world. We need to be wise. We need to be strategic. And we need to do it out of a pure heart. So how do we help someone that is a very needy, per needy person? I believe God wants us to help them strategically. In other words, we're to be wise on how we help that person. Otherwise, many times we help people out of emotion. In other words, uh, we look at the need, we see what's going on, and the convenient thing in order, in order for you not to feel guilty is to just give them something and move on. Man, I'll just kind of give that person. You're giving them relief. You're not giving them restoration. Are you hearing me? And instead, we just say, well, you know, I'll just kind of do this and, and do that and, and give them that, and I'll, I'll feel good for the day. And so you're emotionally responding to the need, but I want you to realize today, you're not really restoring them. And so I'm going to give you a story here that's really brilliant in Peter and John, how they came to the temple, and the Bible says that they would lay this man that was lame on the, right before the gate, and the man basically begged for money. 
He was laid there. Obviously, he couldn't. He was immobile, so they would lay him there. His friends or family members would come and lay this man at the gate, and he would be there asking for money. Now, I want to read the scripture to you out of Acts chapter 3, verse 3. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, they're about to enter into the gate, he asked them what? For money. Peter then looked straight at him, at did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Look at, them, look at us. And the men gave them his attention, expecting something from them. So he, they came by, the man's looking, the man's asking for money. They turn around and say, look at us. And the Bible says he looks to them because he's expecting that he's going to give them what he wants. And they're going to respond emotionally and give him some money because this guy had learned, listen to me, he learned that as long as he stood there at that gate and they brought them him there every day, that people would give him what he thought he needed. Are you hearing me? He said, man, all I need is to be there asking for money, and people are going to give me what I need. And it could have been that Peter and John could have tossed him some money and said, yes, we'll give you this, and went on their way. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying don't help people. I'm not saying those things. I'm talking about, oh, I'm giving you an illustration on how we can help people that we know who can become in their mentality like this beggar. Are you hearing me? And so the Bible says that they looked at him, and he, Peter said, look at us, and he looked at us. But this is what he said in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, begin to walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now, that's a miracle of God. The Bible says he took him by the right hand, and immediately the Bible says this man instantly became, his ankles began to get strength, and he began to walk. Now, I want you to notice they didn't give him a hand out. They gave him a hand up. Are you listening to me? Many times we're looking to give people a hand out. You're not giving them a hand up. We need to give people up. Are you listening to me? We need to get them up from where they're at. We need to help them and restore them to where God wants them to be. And this is exactly what Peter and John did. Because let me tell you something. It's easy to give a hand out and go on your way. But it takes more time, more sacrifice to see a person restored. To see a person become what God wants them to be. And it could be today that God's asking you, you know what? You need to help restore people, not just meet their want, but meet what they really need. See, this man, he thought, man, all I needed was money. No, no, no. He, he needed a healing. Can you say amen? He needed a miracle of God. And this man, all he thought was, you know what? All I need is money. No, no. You need the name of Jesus to heal you and to touch your body. Because a lot of times, people are always looking to you, and they're saying this is what they need. And many times, we're meeting their want, not actually what they need. Are you with me? 
And it's very easy for people to come. I've had them come say, Pastor, yeah, you know, I, I need $300 for what? I need to make my car payment. But I just see your brand new iPhone right there. I see $200 titty shoes on you. What, what happened to all that? Maybe you could have, you know, you know, if you'd have, what you, what you, you don't need $300. You need to learn how to have a budget in your life. You need to learn how to use your money wisely. Are you with me? Man, some people just got mad. They're walking out of here all of a sudden. Did you guys not like the preaching? What's going on? Find out who these people are. Anyway, uh, so... When I start saying that, teenagers don't like it. So here we go. So uh, we're, we're here today to minister to people, and we're here today to minister to what they need, not just uh, what they want. And so, so many times today, you know, we're, we're, we're actually enabling people and hurting them by giving them what they want instead of what they need. I'll give you an example, and I've seen this happen even in my own life where uh, we wanted to bless someone, and you, you um, again, I'm not, I'm not against this, okay, but I'm just giving you an illustration where we could have strategically did it correctly, but we wanted to help someone and give their kids some Christmas gifts, and, and so you come over their house, and, and, you, and you bring them the gifts because maybe they're, the family's hit hard times, and, and you come, and, and the kids are playing with the toys. And, you know, you bless them. You did a good deed. You want to help them. But then you see the dad over there. He's got his head down, and you say, what's going on? And you realize that he feels humiliated because he couldn't buy the kids uh, the toys. If I would strategically would have thought about it right, I should have said, hey, listen, here's a gift card to this place. I want you to go buy your kids some toys. Are you with me? And it would have came from him. Are you hearing me? I would have helped meet that need. I would have, in other words, strategically this today, we have to be able to help people correctly. We need to think, how can I really help them? Am I just meeting a want or am I meeting a need? Are you listening to me? Am I really helping that person? We need to get some discernment as believers on how to help people and not just meet, bring relief, but bring complete restoration. Number two, we need to be able to serve wisely. We need to have the wisdom of God. Jesus, when he served people, he did it selflessly. He did it authentically. He did it with compassion. And not only that, but when he helped people, he was not always giving and giving, but there are times that he had to go and get refueled. Are you listening to me? As a pastor, I've, I've, I'll be pastoring next year. My wife and I will be pastoring this church 30 years. You believe that? 30 years, man. Incredible. And I, I, we, we started pastoring when we were 24 years old. My wife will tell you she was 20. No, she was 24 years old, too, with me. And uh, we started pastoring this church when we were 24 years old. And I remember, you know, when you're young, you're just giving out and giving out and giving out. And, you know, and you're never taking time to get refreshed. And if you're not careful, even as a pastor, you're giving, you're giving, you want to try to meet every need, you want to be everybody's hero, you want to try to help this and meet that, you're young, you got all this fire going on, but there's time where you have to kind of, you have to realize you need to get recharged or you're running on empty. Are you with me? And so Jesus had a way of pouring out and pouring out, but there were times where he got away from the crowd, he kind of unplugged. And he got filled up again. 
So we want to be able to pour out from a full cup, not an empty one. Can you say amen? So that we can continue to help. So I, I say this to you because so many times, even as Christians, we're pouring out and pouring out, but you're not getting poured into. You're not letting God refresh you. Look at what Jesus did in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while he was still, it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, I want you to think about this because the Bible says that he was there. He had just ministered, and so he got up early in the morning, and he went to a solitary place to pray. And the Bible says, and when they came to him, uh, when, they, when, they came, when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Now, if you're a mama here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because mamas do this. They go in the bathroom to take a break. And they're there to refresh themselves, to get, get, to get away, not get rid, to get away from the kids. You'll, you'll, if you talk to mamas, mom knows what I'm talking about. And they'll, they'll get, man, the kids are going to, they just go in the bathroom for a long time. And the kids are knocking in the door. And they go, Mom, where are you? And you put your feet up from the toilet so they won't see that you're there. And you're breathing as uh, you're not trying to breathe hard so they don't know you. And you see the little fingers under the doorway. <laughs> I know all of these stories. Because, <laughs> man, Mama is trying to get some peace. She's trying to unplug and trying to get revived a little bit. To go back out there in the jungle. Amen. So Jesus, believe it or not, he is taking some time to get refreshed. We got, we got, to, we got to get refilled. How many of you get on an airplane and often what happens is they tell you if the plane loses altitude, they say the mass, the oxygen mass will drop. And what do you do first? It says put on the mask on you first. And then you choose what kid's going to go second after that. No, no, you, sorry, hey, you're last. No, no, anyway, you put it, because what they're telling you is basically you put it on your face first, because if you're not healthy, then you can't keep your children healthy. Are you with me? If you're not healthy spiritually, then you're not going to be able to help somebody else spiritually. So you got to make sure you're healthy. And so I, I realized as a pastor that I can't do everything. People think I can, but I can't. And they're asking, wonder, why didn't the pastor do this? Why because the pastor can't do 400 different things. Let me just tell you, because the pastor is not able to do all of that. That's why we have lay leaders. We have assistant pastors. We can't, I can't be at one place at once, uh, all these different places at once. Uh, and so lots of people don't realize, uh, and there's times I got to get refreshed. Uh, because if you're pouring out and you're not getting that refreshing time, then you're not going to have anything left. Uh, you're going to end up unhealthy and empty. I'm looking at the story also in Luke chapter 10 of the Good Samaritan. You don't have to turn there. But in that story, Jesus talks about a man that is beaten and left on the road uh, to die. And the Bible says uh, this good Samaritan is what they call the story of the good Samaritan. He comes out and he helps this man. It's a Jewish man, which is really extraordinary when Jesus began to share the story because 
the Jewish people and the Samaritan people never talked. And yet Jesus is bringing out the hero in the story is the Samaritan. Someone you would not even think that would reach out to help somebody, excuse me, that is Jewish. Must have been the burrito earlier. Anyway, uh, excuse me, sorry, it was good. My wife made this chicken and all, it was so good. Anyway, and so he, he comes out and he bandages up this, this wounded man, this man that is uh, half dying. He, he, he puts uh, uh, ointment on him and oil and all this stuff on him to help him put him on his donkey. He's injured. Uh, he travels across town and takes him to the nearest inn to make sure he takes care of him. And the Bible says the next day, look at what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 35. The next day he took out two denarii, or two coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any, any extra expense that you have. Now, I want you to think about this. Where did he go? I mean, he helped them the day before. Next day, he's leaving, but he, he leaves them in charge of the innkeeper. He said, listen, if there are any other expenses that, that are involved, uh, I'm going to come back, and I'll make sure to pay you. Could it be that he had other things he had to get done? Maybe he had to go with his family. Maybe he had to get refreshed. Oh, we don't know. Maybe he was tired when he helped them that day, and so he had to go back home and get refreshed. Maybe he had to go to work so that he could pay, are you with me, and help that guy. So what I'm saying to you is we don't know where he went, but it could be that he went to, to get refreshed, to get revived after he helped this guy, and he went and unplugged a little bit and said, I'm coming back, and I'll finish the job to make sure this guy is good. I read this quote, and I think this is the good quote. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. I'm going to say that again. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. There are times that you have to say no. There are many times that you can often say yes, but friend, occasionally you have to say no. How do you help someone in need if your cup is not full? You cannot do it. You have to be, you have to make sure you're full in order to minister. The third thing, are you ready for this? you got to trust God completely. Are you hearing me? Because needy people, there's a lot of them today, and, and we want to help them, and we, wanna, we care for them. We want God to, to minister to them and strengthen them. But I want you to know, you're not Superman. You're not the superhero here. God is. And so we have to be able to trust God. We're going to do all that we can to minister to them. Can you say amen? We're going to do everything that we can strategically to help them. But I want you to know we have to trust God and even with the consequences that are involved. Listen to me. Here's the problem. It's insulting. Let me tell you. It's dangerous for me even to think that I'm somebody's answer. Because I'm nobody's answer. Jesus is the answer. It's insulting, listen to me, and dangerous for you to think that you're the source to meet somebody else's need. It's dangerous and insulting. You know what it said? It says that your God is very small. That, you know what, unless you get involved, God's not going to be able to handle it. And so you're saying, you know what, God's not big enough 
to handle that need, that you need to be involved. Let me tell you, you and I, we're just the, the conduit, but God's the power. We're just the delivery system. Can you say amen? And, and God, and God, let me tell you something. We think, man, well, you know, unless I get involved, unless I'm there, you know, I'm here to fix everything. You can't fix anything. Only God can. And if you're not careful, many times we're short-circuiting the consequences that God is going to use in the process to mold that person. But you're getting in trying to rescue them. Are you listening to me? And they need to realize there's some consequences to help build them. Can you say amen? I'm going to read the scripture to you. Paul said this. He said, do not be, be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, this is the best part of the sermon, so listen up, okay? A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whatever, uh, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh all will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will sow or will reap eternal life. So what Paul is saying, what he's teaching, is there are uh, consequences to people's actions. And people are going to do things that, you know what, there are consequences to what they do. And if we come in there and try to rescue them, they're not going to be able to learn from the mistakes that they made. And so we have to be very careful, folks, that we're not circumventing what God has already put as a spiritual principle in God's word. He's saying, whatever a man sowed, whatever you plant, you're going to get back. Can you say amen? And so there are consequences uh, that are principles in the word of God to help mold and shape people. There are things that I learned from my mistakes. Thank God nobody came and rescued me. I had to learn from those things. I had to learn how to do things. I had to learn responsibility. And my mom and dad weren't there to rescue me every single time. And it helped me become what? A man. Helped me become a father. Help me become responsible. So there's some things today that if we're not careful because people are so needy, you are circumventing a spiritual principle. You're not helping them. You're enabling them. The Bible tells us, listen to me, listen to this story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. It says there was a man that had two sons, and his youngest son came to his dad, and basically he was saying, Dad, you're... You're taking a little too long to die. And, uh, you know, I was expecting you to croak last year, but, but you're not dying. So if you read the story in Luke chapter 15, the Bible says he comes to his dad. He goes, you know what? I want my inheritance today. And so the Bible says that the father gives him his inheritance. The dad ended up granting his son and giving him what he requested, but it broke his father's heart. The Bible said that this young man went out, listen to me, and he dishonored every value that the family had. He lived, he lived in wild and a sinful life. If it was today's version, he was smoking that funny weed and boozing it up, you know what I mean, and dancing and going to the clubs and going home with the wrong kind of women, you know what I'm talking about. You read it, that's exactly what it's talking about. And so he's out there doing his thing, and the Bible says that, that his father was waiting for him. In other words, I believe his father was praying for him every day. 
his father basically was hoping, uh, you know what, uh, that he would get right. But you notice in the story that the father never went to rescue him. Are you listening to me? He let these things play out. He let the consequences play out in his son. The Bible says he loved them enough. Listen to me. He loved them enough to let the consequences play out in his son's life. And the Bible says his son ended up in a pig pen, feeding pigs, eating the food of pigs. And the Bible says he finally came to his senses. His son probably said, this ain't working. You think? Amen. It's not working. This isn't going right. This isn't what I pictured. I had all this money. I had the girl. I had the party. I had the ring. I had the bling bling. I had everything. And now there's no bling bling. There's just nothing but pig pig and oink oink and all that. What is happening with my life? And I imagine at that point, the Bible says he came to his senses and he realized, you know what? My father's servants have it better than I do. Why don't I just go back and apologize? That's what you need to do sometimes. Ask for forgiveness. Repent and apologize. Why don't I go back and apologize and just say, Father, you know what? I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. The Bible said that the father loved his son. Again, the father loved his son, and he was waiting for his son But see, I want you to realize that that because you love someone doesn't mean you come in and try to rescue them every single time. That you let the consequences play out. Are you hearing me? Can I just rant a little bit? I'm just going to rant just a little. One of the biggest parental mistakes, one of the biggest mistakes that parents make is you want to rescue your children from everything. And it starts when they're young. You know what? They, they make mistakes. They get, in, they get in a fight with their friends. And, of course, your junior is perfect. He didn't start it. The other guy did. I can have video, and it was your son. It was your son that started it. I can show parents. Your son did it. Oh, no, not him. He didn't start it. Oh, something must have happened. That's why he did No, no. Your son is the bully. Amen. Just recognize that. But they won't, you know, it starts to, we start back trying to rescue our son uh, and doing all these things or our kids. Uh, your kid is misbehaving at school. He's got detention. It's the teacher's fault. You see what I'm saying? And so every disagreement that your kid get into, you're there trying to rescue them. Uh, Mama, I'm talking to you. Daddy, I'm talking to you today. And so you're helping them every single time. Again, I'm still on my rant here a little bit. (laughs) Listen, if your daughter and son is always late to work, you can't be their alarm clock. Sometimes you need to let them lose their job so that they'll learn responsibility. Are you hearing me? You can't always bail them out because they didn't make the rent that month. You got to teach them. You have to budget your money. You got to stop eating out so much. And you rescue them again. Oh, don't worry, mijo. Don't worry, mija. I'll pay your rent for you. You're enabling them. You're not helping them. And so, friend, if we're not careful, we're hurting them more than we're helping them. Sometimes, listen to me, we have, and I know it may sound crude, but sometimes you got to let them face 
the consequences of their mistakes. You got to let the, those things play out in their life so that they could learn things. I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you the story, true story. One of my brothers, he, he, he just decided he wasn't going to work. And all of a sudden, you know, all, we're seven brothers, you know. We've all, uh, my dad always taught, taught us the work ethic, to work, to do this, responsibility. Uh, I got married at 19 uh, and uh, moved out of the house and all of that. And so I learned work ethic very early in my life and how to be responsible, how to pay rent, do all these things. And uh, so one of my brothers just decided that he's not going to work and he's just going to smoke dope all day, hang out at the house uh, and the next thing you know, I'll just be honest. I don't even know if he's listening. I hope he's not. But anyway, he. <laughs> so then we found out that he's selling dope out of the house. So mom calls me, calls my, my brothers up and I and says, hey, I think there's guys coming to the house. Your brother's there. Uh, there's something going on right away. We say, oh, I know what he's doing. He, he's selling dope out of the house. So my brother, being a detective, went to the house there. And he actually, he, he the retired one, he said, he's got the dope here in the house, and we're going to find it. So we went looking around the whole house, everything, and, and so sure enough, we found it, and we smelled it. It was in a storage area there, and we got all of his dope, and we just flushed it, the whole thing. Flushed the whole thing. Then, then, then we told mom, okay, mom, you are you really serious? Said, I'm serious. Okay, so, so you're not going to prepare him food anymore. No more food. You're not preparing him food. And you're not washing any of his clothes. That's going to stop. You see what I'm saying? Tough love. Within a week, my brother had a job. He was going back to church. Are you hearing me? His whole life changed. Because he realized, he said, man, my dope is gone. He was all mad. He called over. Why would you sell my dope? Said, well, if you're going to live at my mom's house, you don't sell dope. Get your own house. Pay your own rent. But you're not living at my mom's house selling dope. That ain't going to happen. And if you keep talking, you're out the house. So what do you want to do? Change your story. Change your tune. See, that's tough love. You guys think that's cruel, but I'm just telling you, people need to live out their consequences. They need to realize, are you with me today? As the parent, you need to stop trying to rescue your children and you need to realize if you love them and you care about them and you don't want them to be these needy people, you need to be able to say, listen, you've got to get your life in order. You've got to learn responsibility. And I believe that today. Even as a pastor, I, I, I've seen people come into the church. And I tell you, there are miracles in this building. You'll be surprised how many people we've had here that were on welfare, that were on Section 8. And as we begin to preach and tell them about giving and responsibility, many of the people that here that are blessed that you would never know they were on Section 8, welfare, they're on Medicaid, they're on everything else, and God has blessed them and they became responsible. Are you with me? Because they realize, you know what, those things are not going to help me. They're enabling me to stay back. I need to move forward. Can you say amen? Now, I realize today there are some things and cases where that needs to happen, and it's a help, and it did help them to get off of it, not to live on it. Can you say amen? And I believe today, even as a pastor, that we want to help people. We want to minister to people, but we don't want to just give them relief. We want to give them restoration. Every single person in this room, and 
as, as an individual, as a Christian, you want to be able to help people, but you don't want to just give them relief. You want to give them restoration. What tools can I give them? How can I help them? What can I do for them? What thing can I get them to that'll be long-term, not this short-term thing? Maybe, maybe I need to show them how to do a resume. Maybe I need to show them how to do a job interview. Maybe I need to show them how to get up early in the morning. Are you with me? Go look for a job. Are you hearing me? All of these things, uh, we're teaching people, we're imparting to people because we want them. Uh, we don't want to be enablers. We want to be restorers. We want to restore people to their God-given gift. And, friend, I, I believe God will give you strategy. God will give you insight. Be, maybe there's some people in your life right now that are very needy. And you realize, you know what? There are just some things that you need to teach them. There are just some things you need to help them with. And God's giving you that gift. But if you keep enabling them, you're not, hurt, you're not helping them. You're hurting them. And you're hurting yourself because you're going to become very frustrated with people. And I believe God will give you that wisdom. God will give you that strategy. God will give you that help. Is that okay? Amen. I want us to just bow our heads today. I feel the presence of the Lord. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.